Welcome to episode six of Better with Paul. We got him. If you recall from episode five with Tiffany the Budgenista Aliche, there was a moment that my jaw dropped. Now, I know you're listening to this podcast, so you didn't see it, but I'm telling you, you could have heard my jaw just hit the floor. Now, when was that moment? It was when I asked Tiffany, how did you go from 150000 in sales to $10 million in sales in only five years? Her response was simply, Jabril. And so I promised you all I would track down Jabril. And guess what? He is here. Jabril Oguro. And not only does he tell us about his entire career, I'm talking about starting from a very complex slash challenging origin of being Nigerian, living in the UK, then moving to the United States, in particular to Chicago. But he walks through how that set off really a set of dominoes that ended up with him today generating over $15 million in sales. He is the mastermind. I call him the wizard behind many of the biggest personal brands in the world, including Tiffany the Budgenista Aliche. So this is going to be an incredible session. But before we get it going, can I just shout out Antigua and Barbuda? Now, why in the world am I shouting out this amazing Caribbean country? Well, the reason why is because you just gave us our first number one ranking. So Better With Paul's been trending all over the world. We got up to number two in Jamaica, number three in Ghana, number four in Nigeria, right? Number 13 in UK. Come on, UK, give us some more love, right? But we're trending all over the world. But Antigua and Barbuda, you just delivered our first number one ranking. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. Everyone who's listening all over the world. This podcast has taken off like a rocket ship, and it's because of your support. It's because of you listening. It's because of you sharing. So thank you so much. And let's keep the party going because you're about to hear a story that you're going to want to share, that you're going to retell time and time again, and quite honestly, will help you tremendously with growing your brand and your business because he gets deep into digital marketing. The following is the incredible story of Jabril Agura. Yeah. And I want to actually apologize to you. This is, I want to start with an apology, okay? Okay. Because you came on our radar, my radar, my wife's radar, about six months ago. Okay. And the reason why is because we were planning to go to Ghana for about a month. Mm -hmm. And in preparation, every time, because, you know, like you, we love to travel. And yeah. so anytime we go to travel, we would ask my oldest, Kingston, to pick out videos about where we're going to go on YouTube and then we'll watch them. Right. Mm -hmm. And normally he and my youngest, who's Liam, six years old, they hate to watch the videos. They hate it. Right. So I say, you know, y'all pick it out. So I said, pick out a, a video on Ghana. So they said, okay, we'll pick out a video on Ghana. So we're going down the list and they stopped and they said, that video. And I said, passport heavy, what? And they said, yeah, 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 we wanna watch this. We watched that video with you on, on, on it, um, running through Ghana. We were 
highly impressed with the with with the story, but the storytelling is really what got me. Mm. And it was exceptional storytelling to the point where better storytelling than I see in television productions, right? Um, and so from that point on, I, I started following you, right? I think I even dropped you a message right around that time. Mm-hmm. And at that time, in my mind, I said, this is a dope travel blogger. <laughs> this is a dope travel blogger. And in my mind, I said, you know, when I'm, when I'm getting ready to do an episode on travel, I'm going to have Jabril on. Because Jabril is a dope travel blogger. Man, I apologize because you're not just a dope travel blogger. <laughs> um, this interview that I just had with with Tiffany, mm-hmm. when I asked her how did she go from 150,000 to 10 million in sales, she said one name. She said Jabril. That's 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 how I got there. And then as I jumped online and started researching about you, your business and your background, I realized, my God, travel blogging is is a small like dot to like 10%, like 10% of my life, maybe. Like yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah. So 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 that being said, man, let's 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 unpack the whole thing. What is the current business portfolio look like? What does it look like right (laughs) now? What businesses what revenue? Because I've heard some things. Yeah. So I want to see if these things are true. What, what does it look like right now? Um, so there's, there's several different things. So um, first of all, thank you so much, um, you know, just for having me. Um, you know, I've seen you from afar for a while. And so, and then just to hear, you know, you got your whole family involved, you know, watching the videos, um, you know, it means a lot. And the crazy thing is like, a lot of my heroes have reached out to me because of Passport Heavy. And they're like, oh my God, you know, this is amazing. And that is how a lot of people know me if they don't know me from the marketing world. And so to and then to kind of kind of go back and share some of the different businesses that I have. So I have with Tiffany, we have we have several businesses. Um, one of the biggest is the Literature Academy, where we teach personal finance, um, you know, to women, right? And because like just in the United States, like women got access to credit, and like where they didn't have to have a husband as a co-signer in 1974, right? So just oh, wow. just to think about that, just 1974, and then to be on top of that, like as a black woman, you're like you know that you're at a, you know, a disadvantage. And so Tiffany, um, what I loved about Tiffany is I saw her, we're in this uh, travel group called Nomadness Travel Tribe. And then we started connecting, it was like 10 years ago. And then I just watched her from afar. And for five years, I was like, wow, she actually cares about what she's doing and the people that she's serving, right? Yeah. And so if I give you a short answer of what the portfolio is right now, um, partnered in like a, a luggage line. Um, <laughs> wait, 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 hold on though. So, so one is you've got, the, you've got, cause so Tiffany mentioned you've, you've two businesses with Tiffany, right? Correct. At least two. Okay. All right. So you got two. Now you say you got a luggage line. Yeah. Yeah. Partner in a luggage line. Now um, where I have a pretty good percentage in there. 
um, also like a, a marketing company where we help um, basically business owners if they want to learn how to like Facebook ads, Google ads, you know, sales funnels, all these things, because as we go into 2020, I mean, as we're in 2020, the way the future is going, um, the return that you can get on your investment through paid marketing versus like TV or all these other things. It's like, I was like, this is the way of the future. So yeah. I have like educational programs on that. And that's what my business partner, you know, John Pembethy, which is also a multi-million dollar a year business. Um, I have Passport Heavy. And Passport Heavy is um, one of my, I call it so far, it's a an expensive passion project so far. But that's not the end goal. Um, but I've also been very selective in what I accept um, because I don't want to just, hey, get this sponsor, get this sponsor, and then have to be like, oh, you need to do 20% of your video like this. And then I was like, no, I do what I want to do. And so, and I've had people reach out like from production companies, hey, you should do something on the travel channel. You should do this. You should host. And I was like, no, that's not my thing because I won't be controlling everything that I want to do. And so for me, if it's not the exact situation that I want, like I'll wait as long as I need to, um, you know, need to wait um, for that. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So so this is interesting, right? So you've got Passport Heavy. You have a digital marketing agency. You have a luggage. You're partnered in a luggage line. And then you have two businesses with with Tiffany marketing company and then the Live Richer Academy. Yeah. Right. There's a few more things, but I, I like um Sometimes I like to kind of fly under the radar um, with some things. So, yeah, but there, there's more stuff. But that, that's, that's, that's enough for here. <laughs> All right, yeah. So I was going to say, I could tell already, already, like, your vibe is unassuming. Mm -hmm. Stay low, right? Stay low and, like, keep firing, right? That's really what, what, I, what, I, what I pull from you. But now, can you give us a roughly... What is, what's the revenue roughly of all the businesses that you're a part of at the say, um, at, at 2020? What are like you projecting? Public businesses that I'm a part of, I'd say now, like on an annual basis, about probably about like with all my partners, about 15 million a year. Like okay. with um, all the businesses that I'm a part of, like did it okay. All right. So that what you just said that real oh yeah about about 15 million a year you know just a real real that was real smooth like yeah just 15 million a year so so now let's unpack it then because you were about to do roughly 15 million this year and from what i understand very humble beginnings right mm -hmm. so chicago but i believe your your parents are nigerian though yeah so you, i'm a niger boy you're about <laughs> there you go. There you go. And by the way, I'm I'm noticing this thing between because here's the thing, you know, I'm Jamaican. Yeah. So I always like to say Jamaicans, we're the hardest working folks on the planet. But I don't know. Y'all Nigerians are giving us a run for our money. <laughs> yeah. And so. So like and I was born in London, so I, I was born in London, England. Shout out to Stockwell. And then Brixton, if you're talking about Jamaicans, Brixton is like, you know, is Jamaican heaven. Um, so I lived in England till I was nine years old. And then, but literally at six months old, I, I was with, um, foster parents. And so it wasn't a typical foster situation. Like I had an absolutely beautiful 
foster situation with me and my brother. And like, I only stayed with one family, loving home. Like I played soccer like six days a week. Um, I had, it was like a really good upbringing and I wouldn't be like where I am today without my father. Like they put so much love, care and attention into me. And so like, I am one of these examples of, it was actually like a beautiful situation and I still, you know, stay in contact with, um, you know, resting dad to my foster dad who passed away in 2012. But I still talk to my foster mom like all the time. And, um, but then at nine years old, that's when um, my mom was ready to kind of take us back. And wow. she was separating from my dad. And that's when we moved to Chicago um, gotcha. you know, to start a new life. And my mom, you know, she's just such a, because my mom basically, you know, what she's told me growing up is if I didn't take you back, she's like, maybe you would have thought like I never cared for you, never loved you. And so I wanted to basically rekindle that relationship. And so we came to Chicago and that was a whole different. Oh, man. Lifestyle. Yeah. What, what, what year was that when you were hitting Chicago? That was that one um, 95. 95. See? Yeah. 95. We, we arrived in Chicago December 28, 1995. All right. A lot different from London. A oh, lot different from London. Right. <laughs> this was... So I, my uncle, we, we went to go live with my uncle when we first got to, to Chicago. And then my mom is giving me the warning. Well, I'm telling you, be careful out there. You know, that young boy, you just got shot over there. You know, don't go out, you know, this, this, is not like... And so it, it was, for me, just a huge culture shock. You know, coming from like, hello, oh Paul, can you can you bring me a cup of tea? Can you bring you know, um, oh no, no, Paulie, like you know, that's a whole. And I lived in my foster parents lived in Portsmouth, right? So I wasn't even living in London. I was living in Portsmouth. Going from Portsmouth to Chicago was like, like this is this is different. Wow, that's crazy. That that is crazy. So so then. You're there, it's nine. And then from what I understand, it was at 12 that you really got that entrepreneurial spark, right? Mm -hmm. with, with Sonic the Hedgehog and hustling oh, Sonic the really Hedgehog online. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah man. Really been so just to give people a little bit more context. So yeah, like was with my uncle, uh, my aunt in Chicago with, um, and he had three, so my three cousins. So five people in a two bedroom tower block. And then me, my mom, and my brother, you know, are in the living room. You know, we slept on the pull-out couch in the living room. And that was, I went from having my own room in England to, like, sharing a bed with my mom. But it was fun, you know, a lot of kids in the house. And you know, like, so it was a different, it was totally a different experience. And then um, I had another, my uncle was like, yo, this is a little crowded. I thought y'all going to be here for two months. Like, and then half the time, it was like, you know, I, I don't mean to push y'all out, but like, <laughs> but you gotta know, find another place. And then we moved with my other uncle who had um, a two bedroom apartment. Then we moved to the suburbs, um, okay. the Northwest suburbs of Chicago, which was um, an incredible experience. And then we had our own bedroom, right? And then, but the thing that changed for me was like in the suburbs, a lot of these kids I was going to school, even though we had like a one bedroom apartment, I was going to kid to school with kids. Like I remember one friend, Paul, his friend, his dad was a dentist. You know, you have a lot of professionals like in a mid suburbia, like middle, upper middle class area. We live in like, you know, the apartments. And so you, when everyone else is poor, you don't really feel as much. 
But when you're like the poor kid where you live in a stem cell for my mom, you know, she, you know, she's struggling, you know, two kids, you're making like $22,000 a year, right? Yeah. In Chicago with two kids or in the suburbs now. And she, so she doesn't have the money for a car. So it's like, you know, I'm taking, you know, the, like all my friends' parents have two cars and, you know, they're driving everywhere. And then, so we got to take the bus. I remember the 209 and the 606. We'd have to go, you know, we go to church every Sunday and we go back to the city. And so like these experiences, it'd be like, you know, below zero, having to walk a mile, you know, and a half to the bus station, get on the bus and then get on the train, you know, and then we'd, happen when we'd get to get to church and get like Dunkin' Donuts, like um, <laughs> before we get to church. But like that was like the environment. And I said, I don't want to live like this. Like, and my friends, you know, would be coming to school with like $10 of lunch money. And I was like, what the hell? They're getting 10 five. Like, what? There is a different side to this. And so for me, I was getting $3 a week for allowance. And then my brother was getting two because he was younger. And, you know, looking back, I get it now. But I was like, we ain't talking about 1960. $3 a week. I mean, yeah, it was not yeah. Big Mac meal. But yeah. you know, my mom, like how hard my mom was working was literally her her light days were like three days a week when she's working eighteen hours. I mean, uh, eight hours a day, and then the other like three days she's working sixteen hours a day, right? And and I, I, I mean, well, I mean, it's past now. But I was like, I was babysitting my brother at like eleven years old, right? Right. <laughs> and right. My brother is like three years younger than me, and so with that, it. And also, I was like, my mom is a very straight, narrow. She's like, you will follow the law. You will be on it. Like, oh, I will give you a tribal mark on your face. Like, um, <laughs> she was very serious about education and, like, you know, basically walking a righteous path. But then I was like, I can't wait till I get to university or, or I'm an adult to make money. I want money now. And so my, it was a, like, a, you know, out of survival and necessity, that's what developed my entrepreneurial skills. Because I don't know if I was in England, I would have been as motivated. Who knows? Like, only God knows. Um, but, like, so I was like, okay, I got this $3. Now, how can I flip it, right? So, what the, the, was the supply and demand? So, as a young kid, I was seeing that um, these kids wanted war. I don't know if you remember Warhead Candies. War yeah, yeah, I remember Warhead Candies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so they had um, Warhead candies at like Walgreens. So I go buy them for like two bucks and I'd sell them to the kids at school. So I'd, I'd you know, have my buying for three bucks, two bucks, and then make like seven, eight dollars. And so like that was like my first concept of buy low. And then they had like Pokemon. So all of but, but Jabril, let me ask you this though. So how old are you at this point when you sell on the Warhead? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, at, at, at that time, at that time. I, I was like yeah. 10, like 11, like 10, 11. All right, 10, 11. All right, so you're 10, 11. Was the drive money? Was the drive options? Was the drive you wanted to, to see something better for your mom? Like what, what was the drive to, 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 to flip that product? What was, what was pushing you? The drive was like, I wanted McDonald's. I wanted, you know, the two apple pies for a dollar. Um, I wanted to buy basketball cards. Like um, okay. I was big into like basketball trading cards. Um, I wanted I wanted like sneakers, like what we call them, gym shoes in Chicago. And like even like like I just remember how hard my mom, like 
it's crazy looking back. Like I just even remember like across from, from church in Chicago, they had like a, a secondhand like store. And I was so excited to get these Nike Jason Kidd like Neo Classics. They had like these three little bubbles that got like bigger. And the crazy thing, and I was happy, even though they were like you shoes, I was like someone else wiggled their toes in them, had happiness before me. I was wow. just so happy that I could go to school with like a name brand pair of shoes. Because like as kids, kids will let you know when you're not wearing um and then there's just other moments as well. Like I remember, this is a little bit later on, and I'm still friends with this guy now. Um, he's went on to become a lawyer, but he was like one of those kids from, you know, the, and his parents, I remember like, like like yesterday, his parents got divorced. So his dad had like, they had like a big four bedroom house. Then they had to move to a three bedroom house. Um, and it had like one and a half bathrooms. And, and then he was like, oh my God, look how I'm living. But you know, everything's perspective, right? And then when he came to my house, like, you know, kids being, and not even being aware of what he said. He said, whoa, I thought my house was small. And that's uh, when I even moved up to a two-bedroom. Me and my mom, we had a two-bedroom apartment at that time. So it's just like really feeling, yeah, like you you can just feel different when you're in an environment where people, or you go to your friend's house and you see the refrigerator and they just have a freezer full of food. And you're like, yeah. And so that's, that was the motivation. And to also have my brother have like more of a normal, like just be like everyone, at least like to be like everyone, where it was like we could do things or if we're going to, you know, the store and we can also get candy and things like that. Yeah, that's powerful, especially how you compared it to if you would have stayed in the UK, perhaps, right? Mm -hmm. You wouldn't have been able to see the disparity, right? But you saw that in Chicago. And so then you started, right? And you, as you said, you started with the Warheads and then that moved up to what? The the Sonic the Hedgehog, where you were then yeah. so putting that before, online. Even before that, to kind of take you back, um, and big shout out to my dad. So my dad, even though I've never lived with my dad, I spent time with my dad. My dad was a big supporter of like, I said, yo, I want to be like an entrepreneur. Like this is the way my mind is going. And he was a big supporter. And I was like, dad, I need this computer. Because so before all of that, I started, um, I hope the RIAA Music Association doesn't come for me, um, but like, I wanted a computer so I could burn CDs, like as a kid. So back when there was Napster and all of that, yeah. that and then I, I called my, I was begging, I was like, yo, I need this computer. There's this website. It was actually mail order back then. Like I have magazines, it's called tigerdirect.com. And they had a computer um, and it had a CD writable drive, 566 megabytes, um, megahertz, 10 gigabyte hard drive. And then like, I remember like all of it, like it's yesterday and my dad, you know, purchased it for me. And then when the computer came, I was like, but one thing he had an agreement with me, he's like, all right, if I get this for you, you have to pay for the internet. I was like, I can figure that out, done, bet. And so the computer came and then I was like, excited but then I, I was like there's only one drive and it, it was only a CD-ROM <laughs> drive it didn't oh, no, you, you burn. Drive. yeah and I was like <laughs> and I felt so deflated because I was like the, the reason I wanted a computer is so I could you know make the CDs and make money and then I called Tiger Direct up and I was like 
there's no CD. They're like, the reason it was 600 bucks, it was a misprint in the mail, um, in the mail catalog order. And, and I was just like, wow, wow, wow. Because you're you're 11, you're you're 10, 11, right? This, this is time, like so. I'm 12 now. I'm 12. I'm like seven, you're like seven okay. Um, okay. And so I'm like, so I, I absorb it for a day, and I'm like, I don't know if I can curse on here, but like basically I was like, F it. Um, yeah, yeah. And then I was like, so I call him back, and then I'm like, hey, you know, this is, uh, you know, Jabril, I placed this order, I called, and they're like, yep, sorry. I was like, no, so I've spoken to my lawyer, and um, he told me that we can sue for false advertisement because this <laughs> is not, you know, correct. Um, they're like, hold on, let me get a manager. And then so they got the manager. And then the manager, I was like, this is what's happening. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, we're so sorry. Um, can you send us back the computer? Then we could send you an, or if we wow, send you a wow. rewritable drive, then could, you know how, I was like, that's enough. Because I already knew how to take apart computers and everything. And so I was like, yep, send it. So then they like FedExed me um, a CD rewritable drive. Um, that's incredible. Incredible. And At so 12. That was like, and that was also a defining moment of, no doesn't mean you know how to be creative and really think just because this happened the first person says no and I, i'm sure you can go back like in the records of tiger direct and like it's like it was such a crazy and, and also they gave me so much confidence i was like yeah i didn't mean i didn't talk to a lawyer like i didn't <laughs> yeah it sounds like you didn't even talk to anybody you just yeah. that was all in your head mm -hmm. you, you say hey i got a, a lawyer right that was all you that was yeah. all you Cra crazy crazy you know j just just on that note man there's you know i'm fascinated with the similarities among people who i consider to be world class right so this whole idea like with this podcast with this column i want to get into the minds of people who i consider to be top one percent at, at what they do and there's this common theme and it's interesting because i was like you know i was basically like all right tell me about the sonic the hedgehog story right because i've heard it like tell me about it but you went back and you really unpacked this moment of defiance and creativity right before that event, right? Mm -hmm. I keep hearing this. It's fascinating. I keep hearing this at such a young age. This is what is happening, right? With folks who have now come on, you know, later become world-class. So that clearly had a massive impact on your outlook and your probably your ability to be able to execute and do things. Yeah. Yeah, no, wow. Absolutely. And so, and I, and so like with the CDs, that's when I learned, okay, and how, also how can I really make it memorable? So back, like I'd go to Sam's Club and they used to have like these CD rewritable and like they used to have multi-color, like Vertebrim or something, brand CDs. And then so I had a printer and then I, they, people would put out their track list that they want of everything. And then, um, so they'd tell me the 17 or whatever songs, download them. I'd also make an intro and outro. So I got a little, not, not a nice mic like that, but I'd have this little mic and I'd be like, yo, this is DJ Jabrizzle, man. This CD for my dog, Jose. Um, and then, you know, enjoy the CD. And then I'd, I'd record that and then also make an outro. Like, yo, I hope you enjoyed this, you know, CD. It's for my dog, Jose. Whatever. Like, <laughs> and then I hope you enjoyed it. Tell all your friends about it, right? And then so like they would enjoy the CDs. And so like that was also like, 
also how to make it more memorable than just making a CD. And like, I know all my friends from junior high remember this, like, you know, like crazy. And so yeah. that also was like, you know, my first kind of bit of marketing, how to like separate. It looked real good. And yeah, it was like, that was my first bit. And then what changed for me is, um, so eBay. Um, this is when I was like 40, I was 14, like 14 okay. at the time. And so I was like, I've been playing around on the internet and I've been seeing things. I was like, man, this eBay thing is, is crazy. And so I was like, I could reach the whole world with the internet. Here I'm reaching my, you know, my school, my local geographic area. I was like, there's only so much that I can do. But like, it was like a light switch when I was like, I was like, wow. I can sell to anywhere across the world. And then also a big defining moment for me as well was, so now I was getting to the point where I wanted to get a car, right? So I knew that was coming up. <laughs> I knew At 14, like, you were thinking about getting a car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because like the, um, you get your learner's permit right at 15. So, and the thing is in my, like I told you, I went, I went to like um, a fairly good, you know, um, junior high and, and, um, and so, like, you know, we'd see, like, our friend or my friend's older brothers, they would have cars at 16. Like, their parents, it was the kind of neighborhood their parents would buy them a car at 16. And I know that wasn't happening for me, so I had to get busy, um, you know, working on that. And then I, I was like, maybe I was going to get a job as well, like, something so I could. And so I went to go apply at um, Jewel Osco. Um, so I was like, maybe that's going to be so consistent. But, like, I didn't have my, I remember I went in with my FUBU sweater, my Afro. <laughs> And I didn't get the job with Joe Osco. I mean, I guess you know, back and go through the too advanced for me. Yeah, but, yeah. but you, but you, but you, but you didn't even need to. But you know, though, I, I, I see. This is interesting because I, you know, you're 14, right? You're already thinking about something that you want to acquire in two years. I find that fascinating to be at 14 to already be strategically thinking about what you need to do today in order to get somewhere in two years. Like just to unpack the mind, I mean, I mean, so many things that you're saying that, I mean, these are clearly natural to you. I find them, I find that to be amazing. Like amazing. At 14, man, I was doing none of this, right? <laughs> I was thinking about none of this, right? So you, so you have your computer, you see eBay, clearly you've got the the mixed CD situation going for you, yeah. right? You're selling, you're selling all kinds of things. But I think that the Sonic the Hedgehog, when I've heard you tell this story, yeah. I think it's fascinating because it, to me, it was an arbitrage. You, yeah. you play the middle perfectly. Yeah, so to get to now your Sonic the Hedgehog like 20 minutes later. But hold on, let me even say this though, is you know what's interesting with these interviews is I like to let, the subject go where they want to go right mm -hmm. and what i've noticed is that in a lot of these i have already pinpointed a specific point in my mind where i want to start and everyone takes me earlier to that mm -hmm. just as you did and those are the defining moments right so I, yeah i find it interesting very so sonic the hedgehog um that was, yeah, like 14 freshman, eighth grade, yeah, like freshman year. Uh, yeah, that, that was freshman year because I just moved to Hoffman Estate. Shout out to Hoffman, um, the hills, people here. Um, and so 
there was this dollar store called Waldo's, right? Dollar store called Waldo's. And I saw these Sonic the Hedgehogs. And like, I would see, because back, this is, yeah, I mean, it was like 2000, 2001, right? Um, and so collectibles were a big thing on eBay. And so before yeah. the transition, of, like that was like, the, and I was like, ooh, these Sonic the Hedgehogs. Let me just go see how much they're selling for on eBay. And they were selling anywhere from like 15 to like $25, depending if it was like Knuckles tail, uh, or Sonic Tails or um, the other one. And I was like, holy this. And then so went to this, back to the store and they had about 50 of them, right? Had about 50 of them. And so I was like, damn, that is dope. Right, you know, I need them all. I was like, why do you need so many? So I was like, don't worry about it. Now, and then so that was my first bit of online entrepreneurship was the, was the eBay, right? And then so listed it, the bidding all, you know, list them. And I was like, ooh, let's see what they go for. And it's just exciting of like, ooh, someone else is bidding. Someone else is bidding. And, you know, seven-day window, and then you're getting – you know, just watching the last like hour, just refreshing. How much is it gonna? You know, how much is it gonna end that? And you know, and it was like fifteen dollars, and it was like you know an extra like four or five dollars for shipping. I was like, wow, bought it for a dollar, sold it for twenty. And then I was like, let me speed up this process. And so I said, let me make it a little bit lower. And I was like, let me just put it at fifteen bucks. Let me do a buy it now option. What they had, yeah. right? We're not doing the bidding, and they were selling. And I was like. But then after, you know, a short period, they all sold, right? They all sold. All 50, all 50 of you. Yeah. Okay. I, I still had, like, I kept, like, two or three. Um, I, and then um, I still have, like, pictures of this stuff, like, on my, uh, on my hard drives and stuff. But, yeah, so that happened. But then I was like, hmm, now what else can I sell? Like, because now that's what started my next problem. I needed something that I could consistently sell, um, uh, and that I could replenish, right? Because it was like, it wasn't a sustainable business model. And then so I go looking around on eBay and I see weight loss supplements, um, you know, selling. And so I was like, this is amazing. And so they had, um, and then so the guy that was selling at the time, I was like, oh man, I don't know how, if your product's safe. I was like, no, I've got this, um, it's safe. I get, I get it from the supplier down in Florida. And that's how I got my connect with my supplier. Um, <laughs> oh my Wait, hold on for a second. How old are you at this time? You're, you're, are you, you're like 14, going on 15. You're still 14 going on 15. Yeah. And I'm telling you, like, when, you, when you're talking now, I, I go back to 14, 15. I was fixated on one thing I remember. Um, her name was... Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like... What so you so you are you're searching around for um new product because mm-hmm. you realized that your previous business model at yeah. 14 was not sustainable. So yeah. you're thinking about this at 14. So so you you land on weight loss supplements, mm-hmm. you then care enough to want to make sure that the weight loss supplement isn't shady, like it's it's legit, yeah. right? You get the plug in Florida, and and then what happens? Yeah. And then I guess like also to kind of, I don't, to rewind, it was also a real defining moment in my life because it was one of the most humbling situations. So I used to run track and then I was also playing soccer, right? Every day. So like sports were my life before. And then from 
like running and everything. Like I was never losing races at all, right? And then also freshman year, I went to my new high school opponent in, um, and then I raced against this kid, Tyler Rice. I still remember his day, like name like yesterday. And he smoked me in a way that I've never lost a race before. And mm. it was like, oh, what's wrong with my shoes? <laughs> let, me, let me fix my shoes real quick. We, we race again. And this is when I understand. There's levels to this stuff, young boy. And he was running, like, freshman year, he was running, like, 10-7, 10-8. So anyone who's in track, like, he was, like, at a national level. But, and, like, I was fast, right? But I wasn't running 10-8. And then that was, like, devastating for me. Because, like, I never lose. Like, I didn't know what it was like to lose before. And I was like, oh, this is how it feels to lose. And, like, the competitive edge of me was, like, I don't want to run if I don't have a chance to win. That's like most people are like, oh, second place. And nothing wrong. I mean, people, people have their own things. Like that. Me, I've got no interest. Like, it was so devastating for me. Um, you know, so shout out to Tyler Rice. Um, <laughs> but, like, it, it really changed the course of, like, my focus. Because I was like, there's no point. Like, if I can't win and I'm showing up to the race, and knowing that I'm about to lose, just it, it just didn't register in my head to, I was like, nah. Like, not that I would like, call me a quitter, but it was just like, I knew my physical ability wasn't, no matter, like, even if I trained, so I'm not afraid of working hard, but even if I trained, I wasn't going to get um, to that level. To, 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 to world-class level. Yeah. So, so, so you are, it sounds like you're suggesting that that then focused your efforts online definitely right? more and it was like and I, I was like maybe basketball like i was like the only freshman in my school that could dunk you know and so it was like and then even in basketball i was i was good but i had to look at it like am i gonna be world class like am i gonna make a career out of this and i was like nah like i'd probably be like, if I like, really nah. like this i'll be you know, I'd be like playing in like my gym leagues or like I'd maybe go play some D D three or something. Like I wasn't going to be a star athlete. Um and so I was just like, yes, this is where I'm I can compete. Like mm. for me it's like I, I can compete and I know if I work at my craft, I can walk into a room and I don't have that thing of like no matter how hard I work, I can't be the best at uh. it. So now let me ask you this. So this is, we are, we're still 14, right? We're 14, mm -hmm. 15. Okay. 15, like 15, like 15, 15. 14, 15. So at 15, what was it about online that gave you the indication that you could be world-class at it? Um, like at 15. Probably ignorance. Um, because, <laughs> and luck. I would say a bit of luck as well. Timing luck and then also being at the right place at the right time and putting in work like a combination of these things so ebay back then was a completely different place and when i listed something they had something called featured listings it was like 20 bucks to do a featured listing and it would push your products and like just doing that i would sell a bunch of products right and then also 
um, you could be on the homepage. This is for my old school eBayers, if you know. It's like you could be a homepage featured listing that had these for $99 on the homepage of eBay. Yeah. And my orders were just flying off. And like, to, to be frank, it was like, I mean, I cracked five figures when I was like, um, yeah, when I was 15. And so that is what shifted my mental of the internet is a place that is not biased upon your race. Not all aspects, but like typically not biased upon your race, your sex, your gender, all of these different things. It matters on what you produce, the customer mm. service, the experience. So they had no idea I was this nappy head, tank top wearing, <laughs> you know, Jordans on. Um, right. You know, they didn't care that you. They didn't care that you had Fubu on. They didn't care about that. No, it was like I'm getting my product on time. I'm getting the customer service. And they don't even know, you know, who I am, right? And so that was a big realization of like, if I had a store now, front, in the suburbs of Chicago, they're like, who's this black kid? Like, I don't know. There's this instant judgment on me just based upon my looks. I know I'm a big black. Well, now I've been losing weight. I'm 230 pounds, right? But like, there's this instant judgment when people see me but it doesn't reflect what's in my mind of how they see, you know, a typical black male. And I could be judged on what I can produce versus like the way the world sees me. Wow. Man, I'm learning a lot of things about you. A lot of things about you right now. All right. So so now we're we're 16, right? Roughly 16. Mm -hmm. Just cracked what five figures. Mm -hmm. So this, this is a lot of money at 16. Um you are trading on eBay, you're crushing it on eBay, and you're trading uh, weight loss supplements, right? That's yeah, what you're yeah, trading. Right I'm not trading them, I'm giving them. People pay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And here's another so, thing I figured out is free shipping is the holy grail. So it's like I, I did, I implemented order four or more, and you get free shipping. And it was like people would just be ordering, and I, so that like brought up my average order value. And so I realized, I was like, people didn't just like, well, as long as I don't have to pay for shipping. And this was like a, an epiphany I had way back in like 2001, 2002, right? They're like, literally would just be go up to four so they could get the free shipping. I'm like, all right, each bottle's costing me $2, right? The bottle right. cost me $2 um, and I was selling them for about 15, give or take about $15 a bottle, right? And so it's just like, it's crazy. Yeah. You know, it, it's also interesting. Man, you're really passionate about about. I can see it in your like. You're really passionate about what you were doing on eBay, mm -hmm. and that's once again like I can't think of anything I was passionate about before I was like 25. You know, yeah. <laughs> you're like, no, this eBay thing. I was on the cover. Like it was. I mean, I was on the front page. So, so now, did you go off to college? No. So that was that was a big disagreement that I had with my mom, right? Because she loves me and she just wants the best for me. And she was like, oh, you are wasting your life with this internet. It is a fad. It is a fad. And, um, and so I was like, nah, ma, like, this is the way of the future. Like, this is the way, like, I see it so clearly. And so fast forward, um, you know, I'm doing eBay. And then so, like, when I'm about to graduate high school, my mom is like, hey, either you go to university or you have to leave the house. I was like, I love you, but I'm out. Wow. And so... Wow. 
And then also at like 17, I got introduced to direct sales and network marketing um, at, at like 17. And it taught me so many things. It introduced me to personal development. Um, it introduced me to the ability to connect to people to, to be able to um, understand people and just really listen to what they want. And I also learned marketing beyond um, just listing on eBay. Because so during this period, um, because my head was so big, I thought I knew it all. Um, there's also this part in the story called be humble, right? And so I was humbled. And so, so after, because even though I learned a lot from network marketing and it, it was um, it was great, and I, I met a lot of cool people, it wasn't exactly the thing for me. I didn't. It wasn't something that I enjoyed. After a while, I was like, nah, this is not really the course of. I was like, nah. And so then I was going to go back to eBay, right? So I was like, I want to do this. And that was like, like at 20, 20. And then so I was going back to eBay, but eBay had changed their algorithms, their prices, all of this. So what worked three years ago, yeah, it didn't, didn't work today. And now I've got my own place, all this stuff. And, um, and I was living in Arizona at the time. because um, I had like a mentor out there and I was like, Want to be close out there, and I was like, the winter. I went out there in January. I was like, wow, I'm from Chicago. I was like, I'm outside in my shorts. Like that also ignited yeah. something new in me. I'm like, this is why I like the shorts. Then I was like, man, I want to be in warm weather and the vibe. And so, what ended up happening is my money and my savings just kept going like this, 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 this. And it was a humbling experience. Of like, I was a one trick pony. The only thing I knew how to do was, you know, advertised basically on eBay. And so now I said, how can I not be in this? I was like, what if I would have had kids? What if I would have, you know, had people really depending on me? I would have let down and failed my family. And so that was a scary moment. Like I sold my cars. Like I sold, I had like about, uh, I had about 75 pairs of Jordans. And most of them were like, I was a big sneakerhead. In like dead stock condition, like where I'm once, like really, and so I like made like a lot of money. Also, you said I sold my cars, plural. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like like everything to um. I was like, I don't want to. I was like, I can't go back to you know this life. And then it got so bad that you know I ran through everything, and I, I ended up um, moving back home with my mom back in the, the two bedroom apartment in, in Hoffman Estate. And then my mom, I was like, I didn't tell her I was coming back. I was just like, hey, ma, you know, um, she's like, oh, you know, I am. And then after I was there for two, three weeks, she's like, why are, you why are you not going back to your house? I was like, you know, and then after I was there, I was like, see, I told you that internet was a <laughs> I told you. And when you broke and you've got no options and you back in your, your bedroom that you were in, like in high school, and you broker than you were, way broker than you were. At literally 14 years old, um, now at 20 years old, and people have known you kind of as a success and kind of, the, you are so humbled. I've got Boost Mobile, like prepaid, like getting mad when someone sends me a text message I'm getting charged 10 cents every text message. This was the, of like, there's a store called Zippy Pizza. Like I was going, like being in all these and like having $10. I never had like unemployment. It's just like the money I had was the money I had, right? And so, going to all these and like having like $10 
at 20, even though people say, oh, that's not like from, from like my journey to there. Right. It was like, I'm like, damn, what do I get? Mm. Am I getting like bread or am I getting the, am I getting the juice? And it was like, it was like really my real beat of my real building stage. And I was like, okay, I have to do something radically different and learn no matter what happens, I can survive. And so now what ended up happening is I learned how to start running Google ads, right? Google AdWord ads. I learned copywriting. I learned email marketing. Um, I learned. Now, I was, now, now Jabril, though, what, why did you go in that direction? Because, you know, I'm trying to put myself in, in your place. eBay, you couldn't go back to eBay. So, mm-hmm. so that was, I feel like, okay, that's a loss. I can't go back there. So why now, like why shift? Yeah, why was it Google ads, especially at that time? Because what, how, how old are you and, and what year are we talking about? This is like, I was like 20. So I, I ran my first Google AdWords ad in 2004. And then for my old school guys, Yahoo Overture, um, like 2004, 2005. And so I had some type of, um, influence of like what it could do and then also learning affiliate marketing and marketing different digital products so i said if i really master this skill i can set and learn how to market anything right and so that's what i started doing um with the google adwords and it was like one of the newer platforms right from back in the day facebook ads run around there was no instagram and so but it was like if someone searches just to give you kind of an example when I started to do just little different things, right? So Obama became president in 2008, right? And so this was a, a, real, um, a real cool moment. And so because I was learning things like Google Ads, Oprah, I remember watching Oprah back when she was on ABC, and then she put up the Chicago Sun-Times newspaper and was like, hey, this is probably the greatest newspaper um, of the inaugural. And so I just think about that's kind of my eBay days of people collecting, they collect points and stacking a bunch of stuff, getting dusty. I'm like, I don't, I, I don't like, I'm a minimalist, but I know what people buy. And so I know if Oprah's talking about that, now people that are all over the country are going to be going to Google to search um, Obama newspaper on Oprah, da 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 da. And because I had the knowledge, I put together um, on Blogspot a quick um, website. Here's a newspaper. And so the newspapers were 50 cents to buy. And then um, uh, I sold them for $15, $15. Hey, collectible, don't miss this piece of history. You probably saw it on Oprah, you know, shipping. And then it was a short period of thing, like, because the wave only lasted for like two days because of the thing. And now I make like two, maybe two, $3,000, right? Wow. Um, wow. Also, I mean, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. And, and that's lot. big. And then also, though, because a little bit before that, I also went and got a um, my first job ever as well um, at AIU Online University. And I tell, and the reason I want to tell you this story is because there's so much opportunity in so many things. It's like you can give a hundred people a book, right? And you're gonna get vastly different results of what people do with the information. Right, you can give a hundred people the same situation. Three of these people are going to create something miraculous. Ninety-seven percent are going to complain and why stuff is like, oh, this person. And so, and the reason I want to share this job story 
is even when I was in my job, I made the most of it. So I work for AIU Online University, and the parent company is Career Education. Go, go look this up. And I was like, okay. And then one of the things that I've always been fascinated about, one of my biggest passions in the world is sharing the stories of black entrepreneurs because one of my biggest goals and dreams of my life is to share, normalize, I don't want to say that yet, like kind of like black excellence where it's like you see a black person in a nice hotel, you see they don't have to be an athlete. They don't, I'm not saying it's like, Athletes are dope. I've got friends who are athletes. But I want to normalize intelligence and business. And so my first YouTube channel was talking about, like, the top 10 black, you know, CEOs in America. Talking about, like, Ron Chanel, wow. like, um, wow. Ursula Burns, all sure. of these people back in the, like, and also, so Gary um, C. McCullough, um, was CEO of Career Education. So he was one of 10 black CEOs of a company doing over a billion dollars in revenue, right? And so I was like, holy shit. He's like at the parent company of this. And then they would send out um, company newsletter things, right? Um, you know, I'm like, hey, this is the monthly newsletter. I was like, what's his email address right there? Most people are just probably blind to it. And so for me, I'm like, okay, how can I keep, I'm making $15 an hour at the, in the call center, the lowest, what is going to excite him talking to me, right? So I have to think about how I could create value. And so send a, you know, an email, hey, um, you know, nice to meet you, X, Y, Z. Um, I would love to sit down with you because um, you know, I see who you are. Right. Um, and I know, okay, I'm $15 lower the totem pole. And I'm not even in, I'm in AIU, which is just a company, not even the parent, the parent company is, is like the whole big thing. And so he's not even in the building. And so I was like, but I do interviews with, um, you know, successful um, entrepreneurs. I know I'm, I'm working a job, but I do do interviews <laughs> with people. And I would love to show you, he's like, talk to my assistant. Maybe we can set something up. And so it was two months going back and forth. And then he finally met me for breakfast. Um, I remember, uh, was it CJ Walker and Hopeless States? We, we, sitting, we ended up sitting down, having breakfast. And he's like, man, you're a really sharp, you know, young brother. Um, and we tell you that you remind me, you remind me a lot of my son, um, X, Y, Z. And so and I come back to work. And then I was telling, I was telling my boss that um, I had, she's like, how the hell are you sitting down with Gary? Boom, boom, boom. I was like, gotta use your mind. No. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. so I, I say that to share that no matter what situation you're in, that you could be doing more with your current situations. I think that you have a public persona, and perhaps it's only through Passport Heavy, of someone, and this is just my observation who's not this sophisticated and savvy when it comes to business, mm -hmm. when it comes to traveling and let me teach you about lifestyle. Yeah. But when it comes to the actual intricacies of a business and running a business and strategies, I mean, your insights are phenomenal. They're phenomenal. And you've had them since you were a little boy, you know, in, in Chicago. Now there's one place that I got to get back to, to, mm -hmm. to, to just continue the story is, 
you were working for this other company. It was your first job, right? Mm -hmm. But you also were learning Google ads at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I would imagine at some point you left that job mm -hmm. and then you just went all in on yeah. Google ads. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, yeah, so I was working the job. Um, and so that was part, like part-time. I was working four hours a day. Um, and it was a good thing for me. I got to leave the house, um, be around other people. Because I was like really in a semi-depressed in my house because I was like, what's the move going to be? I don't have any money. This, this is not, I hear I, my mom's walking through the door and she's like looking at me on the computer. And then I was literally, because I was so broke and I paid for the internet in the house, there was no internet left in the house. So I was literally running, especially during the winter time to have the shortcut. I'd literally be running through the snow and like the, when the snow piles up, like, you know, this, and then so I could go to the public library to use the internet. And wow. then, all of these things were just like, well, I don't want to go back to. So yeah, I was working um, on my ads by the side as I was working and then working. Um, I'd literally be in, it's so funny. I went back to the Renaissance Hotel in Schaumburg um, when I was in Chicago two weeks ago to see my mom. I stayed there, but I, because the library would close at five o'clock and then I needed internet. Then I'd have to go to the hotel, go to the lobby. I couldn't even afford them. Like I'd see Starbucks that I would just be in the lobby working um, you know, to work on the vision and the dream uh, to get back to where I was. But but what but what was the vision though? Because at that point, oh, so like affiliate, like, ad like yeah, um, you... so basically to explain, like I I would sell other people's products. So oh. is, so I didn't have to come up with the cash. I didn't have money to start my own business. I was like, hey, I'm good at marketing. I can help sell your products. Like I'm so good at it that there's going to be enough profit margin left in it that um. You can make your money and I can take a cut. And so that's where I became so efficient in storytelling to help them improve their campaigns to sell their products. And then also um, in the ad space of learning the numbers, the analytics, um, and then to do that. So that's what I got my start of selling other people's products. So that's where. Ah, uh, okay. This, this is interesting too. Now, were you charging the client though? Because it sounds like you were creating enough money so that you could take it. I was, uh, the way I, take it in, I, I negotiated a percentage of, you know, all the sales that were coming in. So I was helping them with the whole sales part. Oh man, I mean, that's a win. That's a win for the client, right? So mm -hmm. no risk really on their part. Now, mm -hmm. what were you doing? You were creating everything. You were So you were doing literally the whole funnel. So you would yeah. create the ad, write the copy, tell the story, everything in that funnel. Right. All right, so you did that for how many years until I would say you felt like you were okay, I'm no longer in this in this place of financial um, hurt? That was like, um, I only worked the job for four months, five months. Um, and then so as things started picking up, I would say it was about a year or so to like feel like I was kind of okay and, and getting moving. And then I, I had ups and downs still between there were like one thing or then like a a Google ad account would go down. There was, there was still a learning process. And then um, it was 2010, now I'm 23 years old. And I was like, I took a trip to Hawaii to visit my friends, um, the Unstoppable family, and stayed there. They had a house. And then this was like the, the height of the, the real estate, the depression. And the context of my apartment in um, the condo I had in Hoffman Estates where my mom lived, in 2010, I still have a screenshot. It went down on realtor.com to like $30,000 for the two bedroom apartment. That's like how low it went. Wow. But um, 
like it was crazy, like just looking at it. But then um, in, in Hawaii, my, their place was going into foreclosure because they over leveraged in real estate. They're like, hey, you can come out to our place. They're like this foreclosing. Um, so you can stay here. Um, so I was there for two weeks. And I was going to go back to Chicago. And then what ended up happening, and I was, and I was getting in real good shape. I was running down the beach and I was like, I could go back to Chicago. My flight's in a couple hours. I was like, I'm not going home. Like, I just had like this like thing of like, no, like I'm going to do a one year trip around the world. <laughs> you gonna, just like that, just running down the beach. You're like, nah, I'm not going it, back to Chicago. Exactly. And so I was like, I have a little bit of time here, like rent free to figure this out in, um, in Hawaii at my friend's place. And that gave me major leverage to figure out, and I was there for a couple months, right? And that allowed me to continue saving. Um, and then I, and, and that's also how the birth of Passport Heavy. So the videos didn't start on Passport. They were on my other YouTube channel. And mm -hmm. I was sharing, like me, a little $300 camera. Hey, these are the different places. I was going to Fiji. I went to Puerto Rico and I was sharing everything along the way. And then in 2011, my friends now started graduating from university, right? So now they're 22, 23. And so I was like, let me take a trip um, with them. They're like, hey, you can travel. So we went to Thailand. And wow. so now, now I'm curious about something though, Jabril. Were you thinking of, so this is the origin of Passport Heavy, right? Yeah. Were you thinking of this as a business or you were just documenting your lifestyle, and then also, I'm assuming you're still doing the Google ads at this point mm -hmm. for other clients. Yeah, okay. yeah. Like, Passport Heavy has never been a thing where, and still to this day, where I'm like, I'm banking on it to make money. Like, I do think I will make millions and millions with it one day when the time is right. Um, be on Netflix, be on, like, I do think that is um, something that will come down the road. But it's never been a part of my business plan because it's, it's my organic gift to the world. Like, this is my passion. Like, this is my expensive art. I don't buy Ferraris. I don't buy, like, this is what I love to do. And so yeah. there's no rush on that to monetize it. Because one of the questions people always ask, like, oh, my God, do you, like, actually pay people full-time salaries and this and that? Like, I was like, yeah, I treat it like a serious business. But I also, it's like my baby. I don't... Yeah. Um, but by the way, though, that comes across. It comes across that you're genuinely telling this story, right? And it's not about how much, you know, I want to sell you something. It's, no, I want to teach you something. So yeah. that, that definitely comes across. So, so then Passport Heavy, you were not thinking of it as a business, but I would imagine at that time, though, this is 2010, you said, you're still doing Google ads for other people. Oh, so that's oh absolutely. Not in my, like, from the time that you know me now, to the time that you know me 20 years from now, like I will be telling stories, creating companies with like marketing campaigns. Like I see something, I see a gap in the marketplace and it doesn't matter what business it is. If I'm passionate and I see a big market, a big enough market cap, I can tell the story and market anything. Like I will say, I don't even know how you say it. I am one of the greatest marketers in the world. Like it, it has not come into fruition yet where the numbers and the stories are big enough to create world-class um, notoriety. But I'm, I'm like here 
from where I'm going in my journey of um Yeah. You know who you are? You're the Dr. Dre of digital <laughs> marketing. Cause I remember watching an interview with, with Dr. Dre once and he said, I could take anybody and make a hit. Anybody. I I believe you can take any product or service and sell it right through storytelling, right through uh, through the digital marketing. But so 2010, 2011, was this right around when you met Tiffany? No, no, no. So so Tiffany, I meet in 2012 online in the Facebook group, a, a travel group called Nomadness. And then I'm seeing her in the group. And what ends up happening there is 2014, we start talking a lot more. And I'm getting ready to make a transition where I was like, I want to build something that I can scale exponentially, take this 20 years of knowledge and put it into something. I like, I'm a talent scout. I tell Tiffany all the time, I was like, you are naturally gifted. Like you guys, like literally since the moment that I've met her, I was like, you are going to have situations where I was like, you don't need to look like, you can look up to Oprah now but you will be Oprah's peer where I can just see it on Sunday. I paint this vision for her all the time. And I tell her all the time, it's Sunday, you know, you're at the house in the Hamptons or whatever, you know, Oprah and Gail are just like, oh, you know, hey, Tiff, and then, or Serena's coming over, X, Y, Z. This, you might not be there now, but that is who you are. And that's what I've been pumping into her from the time that I met her. So I have a question about this. This is very important because now you're even unveiling another skill that I didn't realize that you had, right? So you've already identified that there's massive opportunity in this market. You identify the void that no one is using, no one's advertising in this space. And on top of it, the thought leaders are on their way out, right? Susie Orman and, and, and Ramsey. So now what was it about Tiffany though, in particular, that led you to believe that she could fill the void? What were those characteristics? You know, Tiffany was building for like four years Right, and she's built this list of ten thousand people, and then from there we turned on the ads. In the beginning, I was like, I was telling her about like how big things can get, and she's like, whatever. <laughs> like, like she just couldn't see it. Like it seemed unrealistic, right? And so from that point, she, like I was like, forget it. I'll put my credit card on file. So I put my credit oh. card on file, like to build the business in the beginning, right? And so. Like Wait, hold on. So, so did you, you did that because, all right, so she didn't it believe happen. it, but yeah. you knew it was going to happen yeah. with certainty. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> He's so, like, yeah, I did. I did. And, and also, like, I knew what was going to happen. Yeah. And, and I then, believe she told me at this time, 2015, she was only at 150,000 in mm -hmm. revenue at that time. Yeah. And so... Okay. We go from 10,000 leads. I mean, we go from 10,000 overall women within the community. Now, in the next four months, running the ads, grow the community with ads from 10,000 to 80,000, right? So what took four years, you know, and building the list, the community, now we have 80,000 women on our email list within the Dreamcatcher group and, um, within the, and on the fan page. And so now it's like, it's getting bigger. And now we were doing affiliate marketing where you know, to, to offset the cost, but we weren't selling the academy. And then in March of 2016 is when we launched our first academy. And 
that first hour, we brought in, it was right around 25, 25, 30, it's like, I think like $25,000 in the first hour, right? And um, so that was like, it, it opened Pandora's box for her. Of like, um, and then that week, we ended up doing about $70,000 um, during that initial launch. So that is like, that was the start of um, the, the, the Live Richer Academy. Right. Yeah. So, which, which is incredible. Incre- I mean, you, you know, and I even mentioned this to her is you and Tiffany are like the, the perfect duo, you know, like the dynamic duo when it comes to business, because you brought something to the table that she didn't have. She brought something to the table that you didn't have. And then together, clearly you all are accelerating because she said that, you know, when I asked her, I said, so five years ago, you were doing 150,000 and this year you're about to do 10 million. What's the biggest difference in those five years? She said, Jabril. So it seems like in addition to Tiffany, right? You, you have a number of people that you really are the rainmaker behind, right? You really set up their digital offering, whether it be their launch, growing their email, growing their platform and helping them to sell product. This is really your, I mean, quite honestly, man, I think you're like the Wizard of Oz. That's really, <laughs> for real, for real, for real. This is how I see you. I thought you were the dope travel blogger and I was like, no, this is the wizard right here that you're talking to. So now answer this for me. I, I've got a couple questions on this. The first is, if you are, if someone's listening, right, watching, and they can't afford to work with you, but they want, but they, but, but I don't, I don't have like the website to work with me. Like that's not a like there is no option to work with me. Like so, so that's what I'm saying is is, is they is they can't right. So mm-hmm. what do you advise them to do? Let's focus in two areas. One is building the email, but mm-hmm. then also it seems like on the actual product launch, that's another like specialty of yours. What are some quick tips that you could give on? Okay, how how do they build that up? And how do they? And how are they able to actually launch a product successfully? Um, great question. Um, th- and, and this, so like, you want to identify, you know, your market, right? So like, one the first thing I do before I get into anything new, or before I launch any YouTube video, I look at, okay, what is the competition like? in this in this industry also there's opportunities all around to tell your story when launching a product so let's say for you brought up a really good point earlier you're like um susie and dave are white right and there are certain things that you could do where you might be like oh but they have a big audience they're so much further ahead no people are always looking to relatability if you have the ability to relate to your audience, don't think big followers, think connection. Analyze the market, see where your place is in the marketplace, think about how you could market that product, right? Because even if it's out there, you could maybe create a special niche for what it is that you're, you know, you're doing, and then learn things like email marketing. Learn Facebook. I actually do have a course for um, I don't want to make a promotion, but I do have a course on Facebook marketing and update it like every six months or so. Um, learn Google because between Facebook 
and um, the Google networks, you can hit 80% of the internet, right? Yeah. Let me just uh, make sure I hear what you're saying, because if you're saying this, I completely agree, right? Is that digital marketing is, is a must-learn skill. And, 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 and you know what's fascinating, though, on this is, is that, you know, so I, was, I, I won't even name the publication. I was writing for a publication. And the publication categorized entrepreneurs and then internet marketers over here. And, and, I, want, and I pitched an internet marketer because I wanted to write on, on, this, on this guy. And my editor was like, no, no, that's, that, that's, that's hustle. That's not, that's not real business, right? And I remember saying to myself, no, they have acquired a skill that this group over here hasn't figured out yet. And soon enough, this group over here will figure out, right? And I think this is what's happening right now is that as a result of COVID and everyone is locked down, is people realize the only way for me to truly penetrate is through digital ads. And I've seen this massive now shift of interest. But to your point, I believe, and it sounds like you're saying this, is that we all must learn digital marketing. And that starts with Facebook ads and Google ads. Exactly. And then you want to get organic. Um, influencers are dope. Like there's, there's this whole, I don't know if we have like two minutes, but like influencers are, are amazing, right? Because they become your, your spokesperson to talk about your brand other than yourself, right? So if you're creating brand, you want other people to talk about your brand. And I have some super cool ways to amplify it, but let's just say influencers, um, search engine optimization. If you have like a pie chart, it's like you've got, you know, your, your paid marketing, um, Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube ads, Google ads, content ads, Google network, and you got Twitter and some of these other small Snapchat. And then you've also got um, your SEO, the people, because as all those people, they're going to be searching and you want to be able to control the story of when people are searching. And then you have um, also the, the influencer kind of box, right, over here. And then yeah. you have your email marketing follow-up um, kind of system that you want to market to have like a perfect co you know cohesive um, this that that makes sense and then through that you optimize your reach you optimize everything so 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 just two follow ups to that because you're the first person that I'm talking to 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 be able to I think really unpack this for for all of us is that so from the just the email or I'm sorry the SEO box right the search engine optimization box what's one thing that we can all do to uptick to, to increase our SEO. So this was a big learning curve for me was I did a video. It was called my, I put it on YouTube. It was like my seven months around Thailand. And that's what it was titled. And for two months, um, it got like 800 views. And then what changed is I changed the title description to what to know about, or, you know, what to know about, Bangkok, Thailand. And then it went from 800 views to like 20,000 views the next wow. month. And because wow. I, I switched it to like the personal thing, video didn't change, but it was like what to know. And so I learned how to. And so when you're putting stuff out, being aware of how people find content is so creating content is one thing. And then learning how people search is another thing, right? And to be aware of that and most people are not 
aware of that. They're just making the content and putting it out. And then also when you're doing your blogging, if you're doing a blog, be aware of the search terms that people um, are, are doing. And there's, there's YouTube videos, there's um, courses that you can buy on like basic SEO. Um, so that is, that is one thing, and that's free traffic, right? That doesn't cost right. you anything. Right, now on the influencer side, that pocket, what can we be doing, what should we be doing uh, with influencers and our products and our brands? I would say find someone who, first of all, really resonates with what you do they love your product and they enjoy it, right? Work with these people, develop a relationship. This is why, this is our vision. This is where we're going. I don't have, you know, a budget yet, but then if you don't have more, if you don't have as much money, then you can maybe give up maybe a percentage of the sales, right? Of a higher percentage. And it's because then they can give you brand equity, put you on the map. And then, so you have to be, put your negotiation cap on and really think about what is it right that you can offer what's like if they have two hundred thousand followers and they're used to making two thousand dollars for a post and now you're saying all i can afford is a hundred dollars and and they will do it if the vision is right and so don't automatically think no think creatively and that's probably one thing people get um so afraid of no or they hear five no's like i can't tell you how many no's that i've heard in business and you know different things but i was like okay i just have to get more creative in how i do this you know let me let me let me just ask this this is this is this could even be my my, my big final question you know because you've unpacked your business you've unpacked you know a lot of the characteristics about you you've talked about you know giving us tips which we appreciate in terms of how to blow out our brand but but one thing that I find to be really interesting about you in particular is you, A, is you truly are unassuming. Like you are. And that is contrary to how I see a lot of people living online, especially going to the cities that you're going to, right? Especially with the connections and access that you have. A lot of people are out here that that floss. You seem to do the opposite of that. That's one. Secondly is you seem to be down with everybody, which also I find to be interesting. When I say down with everybody, is I'm talking about down with black, white, UK, American, Nigerian, Ghanaian, right? You seem to just be a member of the world. It could kind of go back to the beginning of this conversation where I've learned early on, love is colorless, right? So my foster parents were white, but they loved me you know, unconditionally. And then, then I moved with my mom and like, you know, she loves me unconditionally. And as I've traveled the world and I'm, I grew up Christian. My, my dad is, uh, uh, my foster parents were Catholic. My dad is a Muslim. Um, and then even in the religion, I've become more spiritual um, as far as one denomination. Like my mom is hardcore Christian. She'd probably kill me just even for saying that. Um, and but, but traveling around the world has shown me so many beautiful souls um, from all different religions where I was like, if you are not this denomination of this type of religion, you are going to hell. You are not. a like, They can't be good people. They are not the chosen one. And the more that I've spent time with 
all of these different people around the world, I've seen greatness and goodness in everyone. And I've also seen badness in all different types, but it's more of the content of like the character of who they are. And people are more similar than, you know, like the media wants to like kind of separate people. I've learned like I've been in the hoods and, you know, Columbia, but it's like also when people, there's an ability to, if you can just come in as a human and just, and like, and a willingness to understand and not also um, think you're better than, than everyone. So it's like, and that's also a reason that like, um, when you say unassuming, like I still have like a, a semi big head, like, um, but like, <laughs> I know what's possible for anyone. Like, right. and from, from a young age too, I've seen different, growing up in that, in that neighborhood, we had white people, Mexican people, black people. Yeah. And one thing is people a lot of times stayed with their own group, but me, I've got my friends like back home, like I got my friends, Victor, Fernando, I've got my friend, Mark, I got black friends, I got white friends. I'm not that person that's like instantly, oh my God, like I hear a lot of times, oh my God, how you gonna do that, man? They're not black. I'm like, I get it, but let me give you more perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, or, hey man, this person, because the way that people judge me just based on the way I look, is like, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. See, oh, I think that's it, Jabril. I think that's it. You, to me, you strike me as someone who's, you were hyper aware of how you could be perceived being mm-hmm. a big black man anywhere in this world. But you want to be perceived as a human being. So therefore, you treat others accordingly. That's how you treat them. You treat them as humans because you're basically treating people the way that you just want to be treated. Just mm-hmm. off the, like that, that's, to, to me, that's, that's, that's what I get. And I think, A, that's so dope. But B, I think that is one of the secrets to your success. I'll kind of end on this where I started by saying I want to apologize, right? Because I thought you were just a dope travel blogger. But what I learned was much greater, right? And here's what I, I learned is that just to your point of you can't just judge someone off of one or two things that you see them do, right? Or of a characteristic. I learned, my God, how incredible, brilliant, you know, your mind is. And I truly consider you to be the Wizard of Oz. Like, I'm not even saying that as a joke now, like for real. Whenever your name pops up, I'm going to be like, no, 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 Jabril. Yeah, he's he's the wizard. Yeah, he's 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 the wizard. And I would implore you to continue doing what you do. And the and the last last note that I'll, I'll leave on is that I think also as black men that we don't big up each other enough. And part of what I want to do with this platform, and part of hopefully what I'm doing with you right here, is I'm saying, you know what? I love this brother right here. I love what he stands for. I love what he does. Hell, my nine-year-old loves him. Your your whole story is inspirational, it's motivational, and it's instructional. You know, and, and I and I I just I appreciate the time. You know, honestly, I think too, if if you had a glass of wine also, I think we <laughs> can get an epic novel from you. Like for real. <laughs> Thank you. It's been an honor, man. Like um I say thank you. Like I really like to 
I like to share. I mean, you have this platform, you know, Mr. Celebrity doing so many things like all over the world. And so um, it's just an honor, right, for me to to be on a platform, you know, like this. Because uh, growing up, like, it was just a big deal. Like, you didn't know anyone, right? It was like, oh, my God. Like, I fantasize and see these magazines and just like, just if I, I didn't know anyone even an article of a magazine, right? So it's like, it's so far-fetched just to have, you know, any type of influence from like, you know, from where I come from. So it's always just a, a humble honor to like, just to be in proximity of greatness. So. Oh man, you, you know, you have so much more influence than you probably know, man. You have so much more influence than you probably know. And I think that's the importance of us giving each other our roses now is so that you do know, right? And maybe that empowers you or motivates you to, to do more of what you do. Uh, but you do, you do for real. And there you have it, the incredible story of Jabril Agura. Now, to give you some insight on this episode, it was actually two and a half hours long, right? So you just got the edited version. And that was because Jabril didn't want to hang up. I didn't want to hang up. So we kept going back and forth. And maybe one day I'll just drop the entire thing. But I try to give you the best of the best. But I'll tell you, all two and a half hours are all gems. Jabril is definitely far beyond his time. You know, Tiffany Aliche had mentioned that Jabril is like a time traveler. He literally goes into the future, he can see it, he comes back, and then he begins to work out a strategy to get there. And I just want to once again say, Jabril, thank you so much. Now, one of the big lessons that I pulled from this was how Jabril talked about this intersection between SEO, right, search engine optimization, also having a paid digital plan between Google and Facebook ads. But then he talked about this third category of influencers. Now, I believe influencers are more important today than ever before. But what really is an influencer, right? Do you have to have a certain number of followers? Like, like really, what does it mean? And also, how do we build our influencer brand? And then how do we monetize it? On the next session of Better With Paul, I'm going to bring you one of the brand strategists behind some of the top influencers in the world. People like Serena Williams, people like Jill Scott, brands like Airbnb, brands like Dell. This is the person behind influencers and brands. And I can't wait for you to hear her on the next session of Better With Paul. Now, make sure that if you like this episode, please subscribe, please rate, please review, and also please share. That helps us spread the love. Until the next session, my friends. Sweet and bored.